Well, good morning again to everybody, and uh, it's good to see y'all. I was, uh, as many of you probably know, I was not here last Sunday, and uh, probably the first Sunday I haven't been here on Sunday morning in quite some time. Uh, but uh, was able was able to fill in for Elder Larry Wise last Sunday over at Bethany Church uh, near Pontotoc, Mississippi, and glad to be able to help him out with uh, his son David getting married, and so. Uh, they were gone to the wedding. So hope you'll pray for me this morning. Uh, the thing that I would, uh, the subject that I would like to, to have or use this morning is to, uh, is to talk about the subject of hope. Uh, over the last number of months, we've talked quite a bit about uh, not being afraid, uh, especially with all this stuff going on with the pandemic and everything that's going on in our country. So important for us to be looking to Jesus during this time that we're living in. And, to, uh, and as we will try to get across to you this morning, I guess, realizing where our, where our real hope comes from. A lot of times people talk about hope as something, you know, I hope this happens or I hope that happens. I sure do, sure do hope that works out for you and all those kind of things. As uh, Brother Todd mentioned this morning, uh, some, of, some, of, uh, some of the things sometimes we hope for maybe are not the things that we really need. Uh, and so uh, as, we, as we think about that this morning, but what does the Bible say about hope? And if the Lord would bless this morning, not only do I want to talk about uh, the one who is our hope and uh, and how to cling to that hope during this time of trouble, trials, things that are going on in our lives, just daily living, really. Uh, what is it that, uh, you know, will help motivate you to live your life to the fullest while you're here? Uh, and that is uh, having an expectation of something that goes beyond this life. The, uh, one definition, or I guess a definition you can use, especially in, biblically in hope, is to anticipate, usually with pleasure, something you're hoping for is usually something you're, you know, really pleasurable, something that's uh, going to be better than where you are, but he says to anticipate usually with pleasure, expectation or confidence. So in a, in a biblical sense, hope is not something that you're just wishing for, but it's something you're actually expecting to happen. And I think that's important when we read the Bible. If we don't, I think it's one of the things that we can all do even, even more so. And I hope you will do that. As we look at some things this morning, you'll see some things where I'm going to uh, try to give you some definitions of some words uh, as we go along. Because it's important to know what the words mean. Sometimes we think we know what something means. Uh, but it's important for us to understand the words are there. Even a simple word like hope to realize that it's a, a something we're looking forward to with pleasure, anticipation, and expectation. Confidently expecting that it's going to happen. Uh, so uh, if, we, if we can this morning, first of all, I want to look at the, the thought of what it means to... Uh, I'll look at some Bible examples. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Of some people that had... In their own minds, at least, no hope. Let's turn to Acts chapter 27 this morning. And let's, let's read about the Apostle Paul. And as he was journeying on, the, uh, on his way by ship uh, to Rome, where he was going to be taken uh, where, because he was in uh, captive uh, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and as they were going to, uh, as the Jews were going to put him to, uh, 
to death in Jerusalem for these things. He pleaded his case to Rome as a Roman citizen. Uh, and so he was traveling by ship. And the uh, 27th chapter of the book of Acts gives us a portion of that story. And I'm not going to try to read all of it. Uh, but as they were passing past Crete and other islands, uh, the comment is made here by the Apostle Paul. Uh, it says, as they were about to, they had been in a, a fair harbor, what they call a fair harbor. I, I'm assuming that would be a safe harbor uh, that they were in, uh, free from so much waves and so much wind and so much danger. Uh, the Apostle Paul in verse 10 of Acts 27 says to the people that were over the ship, he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Now, so Paul is giving a warning to those that are that are operating the ship. Uh, hey, I think there's danger ahead. You know, that's uh, it's boy, and it's, it's certainly good to have somebody around uh, that perceives danger out there, and 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 not just a a false sense of it, but a true sense of seeing danger out in front of us, and can give us warning of these things. And Paul was telling these people, hey, I'm telling you guys, I I have this, you know, I'm sure it's more than just a feeling, uh, but I have this idea that uh, this trip, we need to stay here because it's going to be with danger and trouble, not only for the, what's in the ship, but the ship itself and, and even of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion or the Roman soldier that's over a hundred, a centurion, uh, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now, isn't that... <laughs> Isn't that the way it is today so many times? Uh, you know, you got a guy who's actually, uh, you know, you got to probably go back and think about this in this sense this morning. Uh, we got a person that's a man of God, an apostle called of God himself. Uh, but <clears throat> people didn't pay much attention to what he had to say. <laughs> He's just an apostle of God. You know, they, they believed that Caesar was their God. And so, uh, or maybe other gods that were in the, in the area at that time that, uh, they, that they worshiped. So, so who is this man, Paul? And, you know, he's already under arrest anyway, and he's given us warnings that we don't need to go. Why, why should we listen to this guy? Right. And it's that way today in so many, in the minds of so many people, uh, you've got, uh, Christian people telling, uh, trying to tell their, their, their friends, their neighbors in the country, if you will, there's danger in some of the things that we're doing in this land. We're offending God. Oh, who wants to listen to them Christian folks? What do they know? Uh, and so here they are. You've got a, a situation that the, the centurion, the Roman soldier, he believed the owner of the ship. He knows ships. Uh, why? He's a sailing man. This is his ship. We, we, he knows what he's doing. Right. You ever heard things like that today? <laughs> Why, they know what they're doing. Uh, they're in the government. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness, right? Uh, but anyway, so he tells us, he said, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter, uh, the, where they were, it wasn't a good place to winter, I guess, stay in the winter. And the more part advised to depart, thence also, if by any means they might attain unto Phoenice uh, and there uh, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lie toward the southwest and the northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, 
So they're, they're there in the port. Trying, so we can't stay here for the winter. When the, when the south wind began to have a gentle breeze to it, was blowing softly, supposing that they'd obtained their purpose, they loosened their, their boat and sailed close to Crete. So the, the winds are in our favor, you know. They're, uh, the gods must be in our favor. The winds are blowing softly. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain that's the man of God. Uh, you know, don't pay any attention to him. What does he know? And so, uh, but not long after the, after they got out in, the, out in the ocean there, it says there arose against it a tempest of wind called Iraklodon. Now, that was just a name they had for a, a strong wind, a stormy wind. They had a name for various things out there at that time, and Iraklodon was what they called the strong, stormy wind that would occur there in the uh, Mediterranean Sea and the Adriatic Sea in that area where they were at. And it says, When the ship was caught and could not bear into the wind, we let her drive. So when, when the wind got so bad that they couldn't control it with the, with the sails. They said, that's okay, just let the, let the wind take her. We'll go wherever the wind takes us. Uh, isn't that the way people live life a lot of times? <laughs> we'll just go wherever the wind blows us, you know? We're, you know. Don't have any purpose about what you're doing, just wherever things seem to end up. And uh, sometimes it ends up in not so good a place. Uh, and so uh, they were saying that when the ship could not bear up, they let the wind drive her and running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, uh, we had much work come by the boat. And when they had taken up with the when they had taken up, they used helps in undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into quicksands, strake sail, and were and so were driven. So, what does it mean to strike sail? Right, y'all all got that term right. <laughs> well, it means they dropped their sails down. And quit worrying about trying to even control the wind, the sailboat with the the wind at all. They just dropped their, dropped them down and said, "Let her go, boys." Again, wherever the wind takes us. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, started to throw stuff over, getting. Hey, we think that we think the loads carried, uh, bearing us down, so let's just lighten the ship a little bit. So they began to throw stuff overboard. And the third day, we cast our own hands uh, the tackling of the ship. So now they take the, the tackling off the sails and they cast that over. We're done with this sailing stuff. Just cast the tackle overboard. Uh, uh, and, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. So I wanted to contrast this morning a couple of places here in Scripture uh, where there's, there apparently is no hope. So they're out there on this boat. Paul had warned them. They didn't listen to him. Uh, the storm comes up, and after many days of no sun, uh, not being able to, uh, to see any light of day, uh, the seas are rough, and they're having to cast stuff overboard. It says, and when it appeared that uh, smoke, no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. These men had lost all their hope in everything. But read the next verse. But after a long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me when I say, and, when, and, and said, uh, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not come loose from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, uh, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, 
whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou, sh- thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as he told me. Now, so you've got people on a ship and they don't have any hope. You know what gave them hope? A man of God that stood up and said, God has told me everything's going to be okay. Uh, there's not going to be any loss of life. They did end up losing. You keep on reading. I'm not going to continue to read the whole story. Uh, but they, they lost the ship. They ended up having to go overboard. They actually floated in the sea on the on probably with the remains of the ship, the boards that were left out there. I can see them kind of floating along, you know. And it, it was rough, but not a single man died. And the one that gave them hope was a man, a man of God that told them, God has spoken to me and told me what's going to happen in the next few days or out here in the future. And I'll tell you, uh, as, we, as we frame that, if you will, this is a story about men in a ship uh, and giving them hope beyond the present circumstances and situations. But I'll tell you, you and I have hope beyond the present circumstances and situations too. Uh, you know, as, as, uh, whether, whether you're young or old, whether you, think you, whether you think you've got a lot of years left to live or not, uh, there's a hope beyond this life that's better than anything uh, that we have while we're here. So, uh, uh, so Paul was able to give these people uh, some hope beyond the current situation. Let's turn over, if we can, uh, to Ephesians. Brother Adam is preaching his way through Ephesians, and uh, I've referred to it often and uh, over the years and, and do so again today, and I know he will be well, I wasn't here last Sunday, so we may have gotten to some of this. But anyway, we'll get uh, we'll get over here uh, to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. Uh, and as we've mentioned before, and as Brother Adam has mentioned several times, uh, the book of Ephesians is written both to Jew and to Gentile. Uh, and he's giving them, I guess you could say, giving them a reason for the hope that lies within them uh, that's beyond this life. Uh, and, he go, and he goes on, but I wanted to describe this situation because here's where people where a lot of people get uh that our friends and neighbors maybe and uh, a lot of people in this world and uh, paul is writing to them here and after he's given them all the reasons of what god has done for them and blessed them and how they should be living and how he's praying for them and how they're saved by the grace of god and that they're to uh not uh, that uh, he created them to do good works and so forth he gets over here uh, to the uh, uh, to the ele- really to the eleventh and the twelfth chapter, and he's talking about uh, in verse eleven. He says, "Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh." who are called uncircumcision. Well, they were called uncircumcision by the Jews because it wasn't the Gentile uh, uh, custom to circumcise their men and so forth. And you understand all that. But he says, you were called the uncircumcision by those that are the circumcision. Uh, And he says that at the time, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God 
in the world? What was what was their condition prior to Jesus Christ coming? And you remember, uh, even when Jesus was here in Jerusalem, he told his disciples, he said, we must first go to the lost tribes of the house of Israel and preach the gospel. Uh, and as they went out and preached the gospel to the lost tribe, to the tribes of Israel that were there in the area of Jerusalem, and as they began to reject the gospel message, uh, Paul says, lo, we go, uh, uh, Jesus says, lo, we go to the Gentiles. Now we're going to go and preach to the Gentile nations. Uh, and the Bible tells us, and Brother Adam has, has, has made it uh, plain for us here in Ephesians chapter 1, that God chose a people in Christ Jesus both Jew and Gentile, before the foundation of the world. Before the world ever was, God made choice of a people and placed them inside of Christ so that they might be redeemed and purchased and bought in Christ Jesus when Christ shed His blood on the cross there at Calvary. So uh, He tells them, before the gospel message was preached to you, before you knew that you had been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, before this gospel message came to you, you were without hope. You didn't know that God loved you. You didn't know that God had chosen you. And, and he said, and it's much like that today. There are people living in this world that are living without a hope in their life because they think it's just... Uh, now until I die here in this old world and they don't know what God has done for them. Why? Because maybe they haven't heard the gospel message. Maybe they've never read. Um, they know that maybe they have a love for other people, but they don't know what God has done for them. And that's the condition that uh, uh, Paul was describing here to the Ephesians, the Gentiles that were at the church at Ephesus. He says, uh, at the time that you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. I always think about there's a portion of scripture over in the book of uh, of Hebrews, I think it is, uh, uh, where he, he makes the comment over there uh, uh, about the oracles of God. He says, uh, what, uh, what good were the oracles of God to the children of Israel? He says, they were blessed in much in every way. Why? Because they had the word of God. And God gave them not only commandments of how to live and how to love and what to do and how to forgive and how to uh, atone for sin, uh, but he told them they had a Savior coming for them uh, one day. And so there was much reason for the, uh, the those that had the oracles and the word of God, which the children of Israel did, and others didn't. Up until the time of the coming of Christ, only the children of Israel, I say only them, I know there were strangers among them and all those things and other nations, but the word of God was given mostly just to them and they had it. Uh, they should have gone out and shared it with their friends and neighbors and other other tribes around them, but they didn't do that very well. And so, uh, uh, But they had the oracles of God and here these Gentiles, he says, he's talking to them, that at the time that you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What a desperate, terrible situation to be without hope and to not know that you had God, to be without God in this old world that we're living in. And I'll tell you, I've, and y'all have heard me, I've, I've said this from the stand here a number of times, and y'all have heard it over the years, but, uh, you know, I really do. I often think about people that lose their loved ones and don't know about God, they don't know about eternity, they don't know about a life beyond this life. And I think, how do they cope with all of this? Uh, and even even Chris, a lot of times Christians don't cope with it very well, uh, and they lose their loved ones. Uh, so how do those that have no hope cope with the loss of the loved one? How do they get through a pandemic? 
How do they get through uh, uh, the loss of a job? How do they get through uh, uh, being laid off or having to wear a mask? How do they get through all this without any hope of God that it's going to be, that this thing is not going to last forever, uh, that there's a, there's a hope beyond the world that we're living in? So I, I do, I think about things like that from time to time. And, and the Bible tells us, if we turn back over, uh, stay, staying with me a little bit here, and I know I'm moving around from various books of the Bible, but uh, you know, the Bible does say sometimes here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. So we, we try to move back and forth looking at a subject like this and not doing, uh, you know, uh, preaching where you're going through the book, a book of the Bible, uh, but looking maybe in a subject sense. He tells us here in Romans chapter 15 this. Uh, and he's in and 14 and so forth of Romans, he's talking about, you know, how that people, uh, you know, can eat of various things, although they haven't always been taught that. But what they need to do is pray to God. God will bless the food to be of health and nourishment to their bodies and so forth. And he says, when, uh, he says we then, starting in chapter 15 of the book of Romans, talking about those who are people, those of us who are people of faith, he says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. I think that's one of the great, one of the things that we ought to think about in the, in this world today. When you see people that are suffering and are down, uh, Brother Ronald talked about his friend that lost his, has lost his, uh, lost his brother, uh, and, 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 and for us to be in prayer for this, uh, for this man and to be in prayer, uh, for the family because the whole family's had all this sickness going on within them. And he says, we then that are strong ought to be, uh, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Sometimes when people just can't bear up under the load, what they need is somebody to help them. <laughs> they need somebody to help them put their arm around them and kind of help them bear up when their knees get weak and the load seems too tough for them. They need a, they need a friend that has been made strong from God to help them bear the burdens that, that they have. So he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Don't do it. For yourself, but do it because you're trying to be a servant and helping someone else. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. Christ didn't come here in this world. And I know we, we talk about the fact he came to do the will of the Father. Uh, and the will of the Father is what he did. And I think that's how he's couching this. It's not like... Somehow or another, it didn't please Christ because the Bible tells us repeatedly it pleased Christ to do the will of the Father. But Paul's writing this in contrast to be to us a lot of times in Christ being a man himself and not just, we know he was the man, the son of God, but he was also a man. And it tells us here, for Christ pleased not himself, as, as it is written, uh, and it's written over in the book of Psalms, if you want to go look it up, I think. It says, uh, as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. So the, the reproaches of people that he was dying for fell on him the sins of those that he was uh, the, of those uh, that uh, that he was carrying their sins were fell on him the punishment of their sins fell on him uh, so he says the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope the bible the bible is a is a book of hope <laughs> 
Uh, it's a book of expectation, a book of uh, anticipation, if you will. Even when we don't understand what's what's lies in front of us. I mean, uh, there, uh, brother Allen and I, you know, were talking the other day, and we were riding to the down to the coast together, and uh, you know, and uh, you, sometimes you get talking about things that are over in the book of Revelation and various things, or Daniel or other places that are in there, you know. And even if you don't understand all that's there. There's a little bit of anticipation of what's all this going to be, right? And and so the book, the, the Bible is the book of anticipation and hope and expectation that things are going to happen. Uh, that's what it was years ago when the uh, before the coming of the Messiah, before the coming of Jesus Christ the first time. There was an expectation that should have been there in the children of Israel that these things are not always going to be this way. Something is coming. Someone is coming. We need to be looking for this one that is to come. And I'll tell you today, Day, as we're living here in this old world that we're living in, one of the best things that maybe we, and, and and I want to make sure I say this right because in in, in putting this together, you know, uh, we're not to be sitting around thinking so much about. Hey, you know, is Christ coming that we that we don't do anything? Okay, I mean, it's not like we're to be standing at the window all the time looking up. Okay, but in but in a, but in a sense, our hearts should be always with this anticipation. You know, it could be today, or or it could be this week, or you know, it could be this year. You know, I mean, that kind of anticipation in our hearts and our minds uh, that's saying, you know, maybe this is going, maybe this is one of those. We hope that maybe that's going to be the thing that's uh, that's going to take place. So I think there's a uh, a sense of that. You know, when we talked about losing loved ones earlier, uh, and of course one of the uh, one of those verses of scripture that we often use from First Thessalonians uh, chapter four that we're not to sorrow in the time of the loss of our loved ones, to not sorrow as those that have no hope. Why? Because we have a hope. Uh, The Bible tells us not only that we have a hope, but it also tells us who that hope is um, and what his name is. In fact, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 tells, tells us that Christ who is our hope. Uh, he is the hope. Uh, he's the hope of the world, my friends. Uh, he's the hope of uh, you and I in everything that we're doing uh, uh, and that we might and that we might face. So uh, if we turn over for just a moment, uh, I want to turn back uh, to the Ephesian letter because I know Brother Adam has spent a lot of time in there. But go back and look at a por- uh, these portions of Scripture again and, and just reemphasize some of the things, no doubt, that he's mentioned uh, in, the, in the course of talking about some of this. <clears throat> talking about uh, the... Uh, that we have been uh, predestinated. I, I, I tried to talk some last Sunday about the book of Ephesians uh, when I was over at, uh, over at uh, Bethany Church there near Pontotoc. But he tells us here that we have an inheritance, verse 11. We have an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That we have obtained an inheritance. We don't just have an inheritance, we've actually obtained that inheritance in Christ Jesus. That we should be that we should be to the praise of the glory of his glory who first cr- trusted in Christ. Uh, and that in whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of the tr- after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So again, the gospel gives hope. The gospel is the good news. Uh, I know that uh, you know there, there's things that are written 
uh, you know, we could go through the what, what is called the Gospels, all the teachings of Jesus Christ. But the really, truly good news that's lying out there in front of you and me is the fact that Jesus Christ came and He died for our sins. Uh, that He died, not only died for our sins, but He saved us from our sins, and that He's coming back to get us again one of these days. That that's a glorious gospel message uh, that uh, that that we have. So He says that we uh, that uh, He tr- He first trusted in Christ. He sent him on the mission. He sent him here to, to bring us an inheritance. He sent, sent him here to redeem us. Um, and then he says that we also trusted, talking to those at Ephesus, he says, ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom that after ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So uh, don't ever let anybody telling you, tell you that believing in the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus doesn't do anything for you because it, it seals you with a hope of the promise of God in your hearts. It, it does something for you. And I've seen this uh, over the course of my ministry over the number of years and preaching. I've seen people that really, it's not that as I watch people's faces as you preach the gospel and you see, you see them getting it, okay? Uh, but then suddenly they, they decide, you know, it's more than just sitting here on the bench. It's also God calls on us to come forward to make a public profession that we love the Lord uh, and be baptized and take up our cross and follow Him. And and to see the, the burden lifted off of people's hearts and minds when they actually are obedient to God and do what He calls them to do. I'll tell you, I can see a ceiling taking place almost within their life and within their hearts and within their minds a, a seal of the promise of God coming into their lives and becoming a reality, okay? Uh, and so he tells us here that uh, they believed the gospel and that they, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So what you and I have here in this life is the seal of the promise of God, uh, which is the earnest. It's the down payment that you and I have here. The the hope that we have here in this life of the expectation of that inheritance, and not that we don't enjoy it here, but he's... But he's trying to tell you, you don't, if you, if you don't get it, uh, you know, let's see if we can get this this morning is the fact that what you enjoy now, the, the hope that you feel inside and the joy that you feel inside knowing that Jesus Christ died for you, it's just the earnest money. It's just a down payment on what it's going to be like to get the full inheritance one of these days. You've got the inheritance now, but you're going to have the full inheritance one of these days, and you're going to see Him face to face, and you're going to to know in your heart. And and not only that, I think you're going to know that He knew how much of a sinner you were, and He died for you, and He loved you, and died for you anyway. I mean, you know, there's going to be all of those things that's going to be the fullness of that inheritance that we're going to have. And He says, uh, Wherefore also, after I heard of your faith uh, in the Lord Jesus, and love unto the saints, He said, I cease not to give thanks uh, for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And so uh, Paul, seeing that this believing had taken place in his life, he was praying for him. You know what? I, I, I know 
I, I mean, I know this in my heart. Maybe I just know this about me, okay? But I know, I know in my heart, I have not prayed for God's people like I should, okay? Uh, Paul was praying that they might have wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the things of, of the things of God, and that He might give them the spirit of wisdom, and that your eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of his of the glory of the of his inheritance in the saints. So part of what he wanted them to get was the wisdom and the revelation and the understanding of what your hope is. Uh, and so uh, I'll tell you as we look forward when when you get you know when you get up in the morning you need to have something hopeful for the day. I'll tell you the world tries to crush you uh, jobs try to crush you. Uh, they try to make you, you know, I, I remember, I remember years ago, brother Ronald, we were doing a lot of that training stuff that we used to do, you know, there at, uh, at the power plant. And, uh, and you'd hear people tell the stories that man, th- their, their heart would go to racing in, in a bad way in an anxiety type anticipation. When they turned in the road and they could see the stack in front of them for the day, it was like, Oh my goodness. It's you know I'm I've got to go back there again today. I mean that's uh, you know and maybe it's that way when the guards are going down toward the road they see the they see the prison down there or something and it's like or maybe it's like that some days for Brother Adam when he goes in he sees the towers at UAB you know it's like oh, I've got to go there again today. Okay, I know it's going to be I know it was a mess yesterday, but I'm hoping it's going to be better today, right? Well, he tells us here that. We, and Paul was praying for the people that they might have the wisdom and revelation and understanding that they do have a better hope, that they do have something to look forward to. And I'll tell you, you're not going to find it in the jobs of this world. You're not going to find, if you're looking for the government to deliver you, I'm telling you, just forget it. Uh, forget about the government being your hope. Forget about the, the congressmen and the senators and the president being your hope. They're not your hope. Your hope is in Christ. Jesus, our hope is in God, and so we need we need to refocus our minds and quit to, uh, and quit look, putting so much anticipation, you know, in the next president or the next government or the next thing, and realize our anticipation and our hope is in the Lord Himself. And when we begin to when we begin to put our anticipation and hope into Him, I'll tell you, a lot of other things may clear up in our lives and a lot a lot of anxiety might be gone away from your life and i'll tell you in this world that we're living in today just getting rid of some of the anxiety and some of the some of the uh despair and some of the darkness that seems to be around us uh getting rid of those things my friends will will help lighten up your lighten up your life just in so many different ways so uh he tells us if we turn over uh just a little bit further and we'll try to try to take a look at a couple of different places uh but i want to turn first if we can over to the uh, to the roman letter again and go to romans 8 some people might say well i've, I've you know event, you know does prove to Baptist yeah can a prove to Baptist preach without going to Romans 8 yes but uh, but there's a lot of good stuff in Romans 8 and uh, a lot of it I'm not going to be covering today but uh, uh, I want to I want to just kind of briefly go back and look at a portion of Romans 8 before I get to the verses of scripture that I want to use because there's some of this uh, that kind of kind of molds into what what we're th- what my thinking about us and our our lives today that we're trying to live 
says, uh, verse 10, I'm just going to dive into the middle of Romans 8, verse 10. He says, if, you be, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, uh, I, I was trying to say something like this to somebody here in the last number of days, you know, maybe not this verse of scripture, but... But Tom, you know, the reason you and I are going to die one of these days is because we're sinners. That that may manifest itself a lot of different ways. It may it may manifest itself as a heart attack, or it may manifest itself as cancer, or it may manifest itself as old age, or maybe in some cases, you know, it's diabetes that eats your body up. You know, eats all the organs up till eventually, you know, uh, you, you, you die. And people say, "Well, he died of diabetes." Well, I'm going to tell you the ultimate reason any person on this earth dies is because we're sinners. And he tells us here, "If you be, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. This body is is going to die. It's it's got a sentence laid out there before it. It's going to happen. The sentence was given, and the promise of the sentence was told to Adam back there in the garden. The day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And the and the phrase of that is, dying you shall die." Okay, so the dying process began in the garden when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit and all of that has been passed on to you and I because you and I are sinners, because he was a sinner and because the, the sentence to them was death, you and I are going to die. Uh, and so he tells us here, uh, if you be in Christ, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, if you and I are born of the spirit of God, you've got a life inside of you that cannot die. Okay, that born again, regenerated spirit of God that lives within you will not die when the body dies. Okay, and he says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by spirit that dwelleth in you. There's a hope laid out in that. There's a hope that tells you that if Christ, uh, the, the one that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, then one of these days he's going to quicken your mortal bodies. That's not, that's, this is not talking about the new birth. This is talking about your body being raised up from the dead and quickened and made alive again. So he says, uh, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But ye, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. What is that? Okay, Brother Charles, what does all that mean? That means the best life you've got, and the only life you have that's going to go on forever and ever, is the spiritual life that God has placed within you. So what we're to do is not to live after the flesh or the natural natural man, but we're to live after the after the things of the Spirit of God because that's where our true life is. That's where the true life that you and I have dwells. And so we're to mortify... Uh, yes, same word as mortician. Uh, basically, we're to put to death the things of the flesh, and live after the Spirit. Okay, so that's kind of the background of some of the things that are here in this 8th chapter of the book of Romans. And he tells us over here that uh, some things like this, beginning with verse 23. And uh, and not only they, talking about the... Uh, we know that 
in verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. So he says there's a certain amount of groaning that goes on within us. We that have the first fruits of the Spirit, and again, I liken that to kind of like that, uh, what we were talking about a minute ago, the earnest of our inheritance. The, the first fruits of the Spirit, uh, of course, we know Christ was the first fruits, came forth. Those of us that have the first fruits of the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ dwelling within you, we kind of have that little earnest of our inheritance that we have here and he tells us that we are groaning waiting for what the redemption of the body the bodies are going to be redeemed one of these days these old sinful bodies are going to be made new they're going to be redeemed and made made new will they be made like they were in the garden but i don't know but they're going to be made like christ i know that uh for the word of god and so he tells us then for we are saved by hope But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? So we don't actually see the redeemed bodies yet, but we've been told about them. Okay, so what are you going to believe, right? Think think about this. Are you going to believe Paul over there, a man of God, that says, God has told me that that everybody's going to be okay or that uh, if we set sail, there's danger in this trip. Who are you going to believe, Paul or the man that's a sailing expert? Uh, Okay, Uh, you know, so, so he tells us here that we are saved. There's a salvation that you and I have in being hopeful. Uh we understand that this this saving that we have through our hope, that's not what's going to take us to be in heaven. That was by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? But what we do know is there's a deliverance here in this life that you and I get and experience by knowing that that we are saved by Him and that these bodies are going to be redeemed. So we're saved by hope, but hope that that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, we then do with patience wait for it. Now I'm going to I'm going to weave that into some things that we find over in the book of uh, the book of Hebrews, talking about patience. So important for us to have patience while we live here. If we go over and look at the story of Abraham, the story of Abraham and the promises that God made to him, it's a story of patience. Uh, I think I've, I know I've preached on this a, a number of different times, but talking about the fact that uh, in Abraham's day, uh, Abraham was made a promise of God that he was going to have a son, that his son was going to be his heir, uh, that all this that God was giving to Abraham was going to be inherited by his children. But uh, and he told Abraham to get up, go to a land that I'll show you and I'll give it to you and, and so forth. And and then, all, then he gets over there, there's no child. There's no child and there's no child and him and Sarah began to doubt. Uh, and not only that, they Sarah, the, the, him and Sarah tried to work it out on their own and try to do what God, try to do what God had promised them, which showed they were doubting. Uh, but he tells us with patience to wait for it. And God had to remind Abraham again and again, this, this one that you had by the handmaid, that's not your heir. I'm going to give you a child just like I promised you I was going to give you a child. But he had to wait 25 years for the coming of that. You and I don't know exactly how long we're going to be waiting. Uh, As I said earlier, 
It could be in our lifetime that Jesus Christ comes back again. I'm, I'm going to hold my hand up and say, I hope so, okay? Uh, that would be that would be great. Uh, I, you know, I don't even know if I can imagine here in my own mind what that day would be like. I mean, I know what the Bible tells us about it, but I, th- I, think, I think even the Bible description in words can't quite capture what it's going to be like one of these days to hear a trumpet sound. That's not uh, that's not the guy out on the football field sounding the trumpet. It's not it's not brother Bucky or brother Adam or brother uh, uh, talking about talking about all these things that the trumpet's going to sound. Oh, he was, he was a drummer. Uh, so uh, uh, weren't you? Yeah, but uh, uh, brother Allen was a drummer. But you know, it's it's uh, but it's not going to be like the trumpet out on the football field. It's it's going to be some unbelievable trumpet sounding that can be heard all over the world at one time. And there's going to be a light coming in the sky that everybody will be able to see. That's kind of hard to fathom, right? That it's going to be, there's going to be, and that uh, then the, the book of Revelations describes it as him coming riding in on a white horse with the armies of heaven, those angels of heaven coming in behind him. I mean, you know, what is that? I mean, what is that going to look like? I mean, I mean, I can just, even though I could put the pieces of the words together, what's that going to be like? And so he tells us over here, uh, and, and what are we to be doing? God has promised it. We need to believe it because he promised it, right? And then we need to be anticipating it and waiting for it and hoping for it. And so in Romans, in Hebrews, I'm sorry, in Hebrews chapter 6, we have a portion of scripture in there where he tells us, Beloved, uh, and and he's talking here about the children of God and the first part of 6, he's transitioned out of, uh, out of the the things of talking for the first time about Melchizedek being a high priest, uh, and that uh, that Jesus Christ is going to be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, and he then he goes on and begins six talking about the fact there's going to be uh, we need to move on from from the doctrines of of baptisms and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal. We need to move on to other things. Talking and he says uh, and he tells him he says you know. Sometimes the same ground can bring forth both thorns and briars and also bring forth fruit, right? Same ground. Uh, And he tells them, he says, I'm persuaded better things of you than to bring, and I'm going to put this into my words, I'm persuaded of better things of you than to bring forth briars. Well, what's he talking about? Uh, Me and Doris were going through the... uh, she was going, maybe I should correct, she was going through some things and she decided to defrost our freezer yesterday. Uh, and in the freezer she found, uh, you know, there's some bags we had in there that we'd inherited from my mama and daddy and there's seeds in there. I mean, you know, we got different kinds of peas and different kinds of beans and different kinds of corn and and squash and a bunch of okra seed, and uh, so we got a bunch of all this stuff in there that's been you know passed down through through time, you know, and we're trying to clean it out and, and make use of it and so forth. Uh, but you know, so I remember something about we got talking about something about gardening, you know, and so sometimes I know if you know if you don't keep your garden cleaned out, you know, you plant something. You know, weeds will grow up in the garden. I mean, right there beside the beans and the peas and the tomatoes and all that, you'll get all kinds of weeds and briars. and th- So the same ground can bring forth 
weeds and briars and so forth, just like it can bring forth tomatoes and corn and so forth. And what you have to be careful of if you're gardening and trying to get your garden to bear fruit, you have to try to get the weeds out of it because if you don't, the weeds will choke it out, okay? And then you can't even get in there to hardly find the beans and so forth uh, that you might have planted. Well, that's, that's just a metaphor for, you, for mine, your life. What we, if we want to bring forth fruit, what we've got to do is get the, the, the stuff out of our life that's choking out the fruit. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's just a garden is just a beautiful metaphor. And so he's talking about these things here that he wants to move on to some more teachings, some more doctrines to these Hebrew brethren. And, and he's telling them, you know, the same ground can bring forth fruit and, uh, and weeds and briars and thistles. And then he looks at them and says this, I'm persuaded better things of you. What does he mean by that? Uh, he says, but, uh, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Even though I'm talking about how this same ground, he says, I'm persuaded you're going to be fruit bearers. I'm persuaded you're going to be the ones that's going to bring forth fruit. And so he says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your works and your labor of love, which he showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. So he says, God knows what you've done. God's going to be faithful to uh, to bring to bless you for your for your work and ministering to other people and taking care of other people. And so he says, we desire that every one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. We now he says, I want you to be have the same diligence of what you've been doing all the way to the end, of the assurance of your hope. And he says uh, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, this is where we get back talking about Abraham again, okay? So he says uh, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there's an element to you and me and, and I'm not saying that, uh, that our inheritance in heaven is going to be by your faith and your promise, but our inheritance here that we get in this life is going to be by faithfulness, and it's going to be by uh, through faith and patience. Sometimes we keep waiting. You know, I, I, want to see, I want to see blessings in your life, and I want to see blessings in my life now, right? Sometimes we have to wait with patience. There's just a patient element in all these things. Abraham learned that lesson over there waiting for that child to be born that God had promised him. And God has promised us that he's going to be faithful. If you and I are working, laboring, doing, ministering to other people. Now the question is, are we ministering like we should? Are we actually ministering to other people? Uh, and that doesn't mean going out and always telling them the gospel story. There's a lot of things you can do to minister to people that has nothing to do with repeating the story of Jesus Christ. But it has a lot to do with them seeing Jesus Christ in you by the things you do and the way you act and the way you talk and the way you treat other people. It has a lot to do with that, okay? And so he says, the, the, be not slothful, but followers of him through them who faith through faith and patience, inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, 
he, he made the oath, he swear on himself. In other words, there's nobody greater than God. I can't swear, you know, you and I might can swear on the Bible or, or is, you know, I used to like to kind of joke, swear on mama's grave, you know, or whatever it is people like to do, you know. But God made a promise and because he, there was no other thing that he could swear by that was greater, he made, the, he made the promise based on his own faithfulness and his own integrity and his own honesty and his own truthfulness. And he says, uh, saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. So after he, now that he is talking about Abraham. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. But he had to wait a while. Him and Sarah got so old they couldn't by nature have a child and God still gave him a child, okay? Which just goes to show how faithful God is. When God promises you something, you can mark it down in the book. It's going to happen, okay? It's not like you've got to say, well, I wonder if God's going to do that. I know he said it, but you know, now that, that might be like, that might apply to you and me. That doesn't apply to him. When he promised it, it's fulfilled. And so Abraham endured and he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, an oath for confirmation of them is an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability, what a great word, uh, the unchangeableness, uh, that's what immutability means, the un uh, unchangeableness of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable or unchangeable things in which it was impossible. First of all, the first thing we need to know about God, it's impossible for Him to lie. God cannot lie. Uh, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that's set before us. So the reason me and you can lay hold on a hope that goes beyond this life and beyond this world is because God that cannot lie promised it to us. He promised us, and He says, what we need to do is lay hold on that unchangeable hope that we have in Christ Jesus, which is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. You know, a lot of people today say, well, I, I, got, I need to know... You know, I need to find my I need to find my anchor. I need to find I need to find where, what I'm locked into. You know where I'm where I'm making my roots. He says, "Mind your anchor should be the the anchor that we have for our soul that's both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek." Okay, so what does all that mean? It means that when Jesus Christ went to heaven, the promise of us being together with Him and being with Him one day, the anchor for our soul, my friends, is anchored in the fact of the veil, which is where Christ Jesus is now at, uh, in the temple of God. That anchor is mine, your anchor for our soul. That's what anchors us and should anchor us, is the hope that one of these days we're going to be with Him as well. So th there's a reason for us. Uh, so the, the, we could go on and, and talk further and further and further, uh, but I'll try to find a place maybe uh, to, uh, to close this out. Let's turn, to, uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There's a couple different places I could go, but I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, he says this. 
and the whole first portion of the chapter of the book of First Corinthians 15, it's all talking about the resurrection uh, and talking about how the resurrected Christ, after he had died, after he'd been laid in the tomb for three days and three nights, he was dead. He was seen alive by the apostles. He was seen alive by over 500 at once. And he was also seen by Paul, an apostle, on the road to Damascus. When Paul was going to persecute Christians, Paul himself saw him there. And he says, uh, so if if some people preach that there be no resurrection, verse 13, of the dead, he said, then is Christ not risen? In, In other words... The fact that Christ is risen proves that there's a resurrection for the dead, okay? <laughs> and he says, if Christ be not risen, then I, he says, our preaching is vain and your faith is also in vain. Uh, if Christ be not risen, that's how important the resurrection is, okay? The resurrection is, is the key, okay? Uh, the, the resurrection is so important to you and me that our faith is void, and our preaching is void if the resurrection didn't take place. But he's telling them the resurrection took place because it was seen. He was seen by the disciples. He was seen by five hundred at one time. And Paul says he was seen by me. Okay, so he's telling you, I got the witnesses that could come and testify. There is a resurrection of the dead. But if there's not, our preaching's vain, you know, and our faith is vain. Yea, we are found a false witness of God because we've testified of God that He was raised up. He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And here's, here's the, worst, the worst part. And you're yet in your sins. You're still, your sins are still on you. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And if in, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I've heard I've heard that verse of scripture used this way. I've heard it say, "Well, if all you've got is hope, my friends, you don't really have anything." Okay, but I'm telling you, your hope is Christ. Christ is our hope. Uh, And so you've got to rightly divide the word of truth to understand this scripture. And he's telling you, if in this life you only have hope. But our hope is not just in this life. Our hope is in that life. Our hope is anchored in the veil where Christ is now seated uh, on the throne of God, my friends. Our hope is not just here. But if in this life only you have hope in Christ, he said, we're of all men most miserable. Well... Our hope goes beyond this world. And our hope goes into the next life, uh, the eternal life that we have through Jesus Christ. And that's the reason you and I can live hopefully today. There's, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and terrors and troubles and earthquakes and plagues and all kinds of things up to the time that Christ comes again. Just get rid. I think that's not told to try to make you feel uh, in despair, but to be honest with you, that's what the Word of God says it's going to be, okay? But we have a hope beyond this life, and our hope is in Christ Jesus. May God bless you to live hopefully in the face of sickness, in the face of, of trouble, in the face of pain, whatever you might be going through. Live hopefully that. It's not going to be forever. 
because we have a we have a friend in Jesus. May God bless you to be to live hopefully in this coming week.